0: Nazareth girl, what did you know of ethereal beings with messages from God? What did you know of men when you found yourself with child? What did you know of babies, you barely out of childhood yourself, God chosen girl? What did you know of God, that brought you to this stable most blessed among women? Could it be that you had been ready, waiting, listening for the footsteps of an angel? Could it be there are messages for us if we have the faith to listen? Let's pray together. Father, we pray tonight we pray this Christmas that if there are messages for us to hear, that we might hear your voice speaking to us now in the quiet, in the silence, that this Christmas we might hear your voice as clearly as Mary did all those years ago. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I wonder how you felt listening to that song, Comfort and Joy. I wonder if you felt like Mark did as he read the words of that opener, Comfort and Joy, you must be joking. The other lyric from a Christmas carol that resonates perhaps more deeply than ever this year is, A Weary World Rejoices. Because as we look around at our world, as we look around at our city, as we look around at our nation, there are lots of people, us perhaps included, who feel pretty weary. This is the third Sunday of Advent, shown normally by the three candles that we would have lit on our Advent wreath. Advent comes from an ancient Latin word, adventus, meaning arrival. It's the time when we look back to the first coming of Jesus, but we also look forward to the second coming of Jesus. But the reality is now in the West, in 21st century Scotland, in Edinburgh, we don't do Advent very well anymore, apart from chocolate or even gin Advent calendars. I'm not even sure Blue Peter still do the Advent crown that they used to make. Some of us grew up with it, made out of coat hangers, baubles and tinsel. It was a fire risk waiting to happen. The reality is that our society does not wait very well in expectation. It doesn't do hope or pleasure deferred. Given what happened, some people have put their Christmas trees up just after Halloween, and indeed, some people have kept Christmas trees up all year. We know who you are, and we know where you live. <laughs> and an aside, the creative designer in our house this year banned me from putting tinsel on either of our trees as it was deemed, quote, too tacky. Controversial, or What? One writer noted, however, that Advent always starts in the dark and gets darker. Advent, she says, is not for the faint-hearted. Advent involves facing up to the darkness, to the shadows, to the fear, to the gloom, to the captivity, to the misery, to the injustice, the torment, the evil, even death itself, all themes that occur in Advent hymns and readings from the Old Testament, which are about judgment and justice, injustice, suffering, and silence. Advent is full of themes like the absence of God and the silence of God. We don't do Advent very well in our culture. By contrast, we now want to rush to Christmas to bypass the darkness and go straight for the light. We want an instant microwaved Advent that takes a shortcut to the presents, the lights, and the celebrations. And if we get stuck in the darkness, like it felt like last year, and is increasingly feeling, and Boris is speaking to the UK even as I speak, we might get stuck in it again this year. Well, we don't cope very well with it. Advent, you see, isn't about a make-believe escapism. Advent is about down-to-earth reality. Advent actually is pretty grim. Advent is about grit. Advent is about deep, literally death, darkness, as we heard in that reading from Isaiah 9. The people walking in great, death, deep darkness have seen a great light. We don't do waiting very well in our culture. The global pandemic and successive lockdowns and each new variant of COVID-19 have worn down our resilience and patience. The prospect of Omicron, and now a tsunami of Omicron, as first Nicola and now tonight apparently Boris have announced, does not suit as well and more restrictions feel particularly challenging just now. I came face to face with that weariness just a couple of weeks ago. I was down in London for my first work trip in two years, the first time for two years that I'd managed or been allowed to leave Edinburgh on work. Seeking to be environmentally friendly, I'd gone down by train and was anticipating coming back by train on the Saturday. But the environment decided not to be very friendly back, as Storm Arwen blew in from the Atlantic and blew all the train lines down. So, much against my wishes, I had to find another way back home and ended up at Heathrow Airport in Terminal 5. I happened to be by the customer service desk for British Airways and witnessed for over an hour how low people's resilience and patience has sunk. For over an hour, I watched a successive queue of people and some people from some nations that shall remain nameless who bypassed the queues because they weren't British. I literally watched as people came and shouted and pouted and abused, and threatened physical violence, and literally stomped their feet. There was one guy, aged about 46, a businessman who stood in front of the BA desk and went, but I want to go now. It was a quite remarkable sight. But you suddenly saw how low people's patience and how low people's resilience have fallen. It wasn't the fault of the BA staff behind the perspex screens, although at times I think they, would want, they were wanting bulletproof screens rather than simply perspex screens between them and the people whose flights had been cancelled. But they brought the brunt of people's frustration and anger, impatience and impotence about the storm and about the flights, but also about the pandemic and about the lockdowns and the missed birthdays and the missed parties and the missed weddings and the missed funerals and the missed Christmas and the missed New Year's and sadly the missed births and the missed deaths. We don't do waiting very well and we're becoming less proficient at it and doing it worse each day. But this time of the year, Advent, is all about waiting, because it proclaims that God comes into the darkness, into the frustration, into the disappointment, into the despair, into the injustice and the gloom, not into a fairy tale, not into a picture-postcard Christmas of fairy lights and glitter, but in an unwanted and unexpected pregnancy With the creator of life being created, the maker of the universe becoming an embryo, then a fetus, then a baby, a baby who immediately became a refugee on the run. Or in the words of one writer, majesty in the midst of the mundane, holiness in the filth of sheep manure and sweat. Angels, the Christmas story proclaims, watched as Mary changed God's nappy. The universe watched as the Almighty learnt to walk. And as Jesus grew up, he continued to walk the talk. He said what he did, and he did what he said. He said and did the most amazing things, but the things he said were backed up by the things that he did, and vice versa. The words, love your neighbor, were spoken by a man whose neighbors tried to kill him, to throw him off a cliff. He challenged people to leave their families and follow him just as he had kissed his mum goodbye on the doorstep and gone walk about for three years proclaiming the good news of God's love, rule, and mercy. He told his followers to pray for their enemies and those who persecuted him, persecuted them just as he would pray for his executioners to be granted forgiveness by his heavenly Father. And he would promise, "'I am with you always,' just as he had suffered eternal isolation, desolation, and divine abandonment as he hung on a Roman cross. Jesus was the leader who walked the talk. He was integrity personified, leadership incarnate, the divine embodied. This was a leader who set the guidelines, embodied them, and expected his team to do likewise. And don't we need leaders like that in our world today? And 2,000 years later, Christians believe that his light still shines in the darkness. In a world where a six-year-old in Solihull is starved to death by his dad and stepmum. In a world where 146,000 people have died from COVID in the UK, and over 5 million worldwide have died from COVID. Where children in northern Uganda still need to choose someone in Edinburgh to sponsor them through World Vision, where there is still injustice, pain, poverty, and suffering, where hundreds die in tornadoes in Kentucky and Illinois in the U.S., and where, if we're honest, we're still waiting for Christmas to happen every year and in every heart. We would love you to know that baby that was born 2,000 years ago we believe that the important decision that you make about the person of Jesus Christ is actually the most important decision that you will ever make. To make your decision about who Jesus was, about the things that Jesus said, about the things that Jesus did when he grew up, how he lived and how he died, and how we believe he was raised again to life, not at the first Christmas, but at the first Easter. That's why, as a church, we run this thing called the Alpha Course, and again, there's another postcard, probably underneath you at the moment or on the floor, which gives details about two Alpha Courses that are happening in the new year. One will be online, and we hope at the moment the other one will be in person, restrictions and guidelines depending. We would invite you to investigate the person of Jesus Christ for yourself, to see if his light can still shine in the darkness, if his light can still bring about hope and love and life here, where so many are tired and so many are anxious and fearful. But in the meantime, we believe that he waits. He waits for you, and he waits for me, and he waits for Christmas to happen again. A poem by Gerard Kelly entitled Christmas is Waiting. Christmas is waiting to happen. Outside a vacant hillside lies silent, strangely empty of any angel's choir. A stable waits for bookings at the inn to multiply. Distant kings study charts and keep gifts in cold storage, while shepherds plan their memoirs in expectancy of unexpected fame and keep a chapter free for miracles. A small velvet patch in the black night sky stands ready to hold a newborn star, and oppressed people everywhere cling wildly to prophecy and song and whisper the word Messiah. They've switched on the lights in Oxford Street, counting off the buying days. Like guardsmen on parade, shops are stocked and standing by, revving up the engines of their debt-powered swiping machines, and history watchers mark another day in the slow count to three thousand. But here an old man lies in the stairwell, where he fell three days ago, and no one knows. A girl loiters in a street's unholy halo to sell the only thing she owns that men will pay for. And here an infant sleeps on a sack on the hard earth floor where even a mother's hand is empty. And there are places where Christmas is still waiting to happen. We pray and hope that you have a great Christmas. We pray that despite what Nicola and Boris may say this week, that you enjoy a happy Christmas. But we would love for Christmas to really happen in your life this year by you coming to know this baby who did not stay a baby but grew up, who said and did the most extraordinary things, who lived the most extraordinary life because he was God, become a human being, come from glory down for us.